of heights to the depths of the sea. But Samuel, or excuse me, Saul was afraid of David because the Lord was with him, but had departed from Saul. Therefore Saul removed him from his presence and made him his captain over a thousand. And he went out and came in before the people. See, I mean, if you think about it, Saul was already distressed from this evil spirit, right? He's distressed already. And when David was obscure and hadn't killed Goliath, he was very content with David playing because David was a nobody. But now, not only is he distressed by the spirit, now he's the, his replacement is standing before him. Welcome, everyone. You're listening to Truth in Christ Radio, a Bible teaching radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Rochester with Senior Pastor Rob Kellogg. By all outward appearance, Saul seems to be in control. He has the throne and he has the great army. Yet Saul was afraid of David because the Lord was with David. The Lord's Spirit had left King Saul, which made it hard for him to have David around. Therefore, Saul removed him from his presence and made him a captain of his army to go out and fight in the existing battles for Israel. Saul's desire was not to bless David, but to set him up for harm, and his jealousy had made him manipulative by working a hidden secret agenda against David. Now let's join Pastor Rob with today's lesson. Instead of getting behind the young man, he chose to tear him down and make his life miserable very unusual for that not to happen. But notice in verse 10, and it happened on the next day that the distressing spirit from God, notice the very next day after all of that, is it any wonder? His heart was so rotten, is it any wonder that the very next day the, this evil spirit comes upon him and, and just creates havoc? A distressing spirit from God came upon Saul, and he prophesied inside the house. And this was not prophecy, prophesying of God. This was, uh, uh, this was not what you might think it was. Normally, normally we think of prophesying as something godly, but Saul is not prophesying godly things here. And so David played music with his hand, as at other times, but there was a spear in Saul's hand. And this must have further infuriated Saul because David was not only this revered warrior now, a national hero, but the guy could play the guitar. He's gifted. He can sing. He's probably had a great voice. I don't know if he sang or not, but he played. He's gifted. And this was a recipe for disaster. It's interesting, too, when you consider the importance of David's line and as David is there before Saul, the devil or the demon that is, you know, arousing Saul makes you wonder how much he knew. Only what God allowed him to know, but he certainly knew the scripture. He knew Genesis 49.10, and so he's thinking, you know what? It's through him the Messiah is going to come. And can you imagine that demon on Saul? Oh, just pick up your sword. Just pick it up. Just pick up the jab. You know you hate him. Just pick it up and throw it against, just pin him against the wall. You know you want to do it. 
Saul, you know you want to do it. And finally Saul does. He throws the javelin. Satan wanted to snuff the possibility of Christ ever being born based on the prophecies that he knew very well. But God preserved him. Verse 11, it says, And Saul cast the spear, for he said, I will pin David to the wall. But notice, David escaped his presence twice. I mean, think of it. After the first time, I think I would have just called in sick the next day. Or maybe as I'm sitting there playing my guitar, instead of looking at my music stand, I'm looking at Saul and I'm checking out where his hand is. Because any second, I'm going to have to drop that guitar and I'm going to have to run for my life. So all of a sudden, I mean, this happened twice. So David's like, Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You know, he's, he's dodging the spear. Can you imagine how unnerving that would be? And he would do it again in the next chapter. We're going to see it in verse 9. But notice verse 12. Saul was afraid of David. He was afraid of him because he was threatened by him because David contained all the stuff that Saul did not have. Saul didn't have faith. Saul didn't have any conviction of heart. Saul was just a washed-up leader who was bent on obedience. It was all about him. He wasn't obedient to God. And David was obedient. He was loyal. And David would have served Saul all the days of his life if that was God's will, and he would have done it without saying a bad word about Saul. Even when Saul died, David avenged his death. The guy who who thrust him through when when Saul was mortally wounded, an Amalekite came and finished him off because the king wanted him to. And later, he tells David this, and David's like, didn't you have any fear of killing God's anointed? What's the matter with you? And he says, and he grabs some of his guys and says, kill this guy. He's worthy of death. And he was. Does that sound like a man who hated Saul? I'm sure he didn't appreciate all the things that Saul put him through, but David was made of different stuff, good stuff. He was made of character, and he was waiting upon God. For 15 years, at least 15 years, after he was anointed by Samuel, he, wasn't, he was coronated then, after about 15 or so years. Do you think he was chomping at the bit, trying to kill Saul? He had opportunities we're going to see to kill Saul. He didn't. He says, I'm not going to put a finger on this man. God put him here. God can take him out without me. And God honored that. David wasn't a bloodthirsty man. But Samuel, or excuse me, Saul was afraid of David because the Lord was with him, but had departed from Saul. Therefore Saul removed him from his presence and made him his captain over a thousand. And he went out and came in before the people. See, I mean, if you think about it, Saul was already distressed from this evil spirit, right? He's distressed already. And when David was obscure and hadn't killed Goliath, he was very content with David playing because David was a nobody. But now, not only is he distressed by the spirit, now he's the, his replacement is standing before him. And he knows it. And the character that Saul should have, he's seeing in David, and he's just like, man, I, it's like distress upon distress, right? You're supposed to help me, but your presence right now is agitating me even more. So you got to go. <laughs> so he sends him away. It's sort of like how a person who is depressed, they turn to alcohol or drugs. And what does that do? It furthers their misery. It never is the solution 
We're so sick as human beings. We think that when we're down and out, when we're going through something difficult, that alcohol or drugs or whatever is going to solve the problem. It never, ever does. It drags you down like an anchor to your feet, and you're in the Marianas Trench. It will take you all the way to the bottom until you die. If there's any of you flirting around with drugs or alcohol, that is not the solution. Jesus Christ is your solution. He is the only solution. Anything else is going to lead you to a timely death. Know that. That's the truth. But notice verse 14. David behaved wisely in all of his ways, and the Lord was with him. David was walking in the Spirit. He was walking in the Spirit. Saul was walking in the flesh. You can look at Galatians. We're not going to go there tonight. Galatians 5, 16 through uh, 21. And David was walking in the Spirit. And when you see some of the works of the flesh, and they're all listed there, many of those things Saul was guilty of. David was walking in the Spirit. Verse 15, it says, Therefore, when Saul saw that he behaved very wisely, again, he was afraid of him. This is like the uh, second or third time now that Saul is afraid of David. He's afraid. But all Israel and Judah loved David because he went out and came in before them. So then Saul said to David, Here is my older daughter, Merab. I will give her to you as my wife. Only be valiant for me and fight the Lord's battles. For Saul thought, Let me let my hand not be against them, but let the hand of the Philistines be against them. Now remember, when David slew Goliath, what was the deal? You get a couple of things. You get to marry his oldest daughter, Merab. You also, um, you get to be free of taxes, and you also, um, there was something else, and I forgot. Your family is free of taxes, and, you know, and then you, you become wealthy yourself. I mean, those were the things, were they not? And so Saul's going to give him, me, Rab, or at least so he thinks. It was customary to give away the oldest daughter first, but now Saul is going to play this game with David. And notice... He's going to use it as a means, only fight my battles and you can have her. You know, well, I've already fought the battle, Saul. She belongs to me now. Notice David never said that, but that was the deal. But Saul wanted more. It kind of reminds me of Laban and Jacob. Remember on the, on the, on the wedding night? He was supposed to be marrying Rachel, the one he really loved. He served him for seven years for Rachel. And then on the wedding night, they must have looked different, or they must have looked similar, or at least in the dark, maybe after a heavy night of, uh, you know, of celebrating. Maybe he didn't recognize. Maybe his sister, she had the same nose. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe she had a veil over her face. I don't know. But he, he did a switcheroo in the middle of the night, and he, wokes up, he wakes up, and, ah, it's Leah. Now he's got to work another seven years for Rachel, and he did it because he loved her. Sounds kind of like what Saul's doing with David. He's hoping that if he goes out and gets into more battles, that the, the, the odds are going to be against David. He's going to die. So David said to Saul, verse 18, Who am I and what is my, what, my life or my father's uh, family in Israel that I should be son-in-law to the king? This is a great honor. This must have been really awkward for David also because he knew that Saul's heart wasn't real. Saul's saying all these things, but... I didn't forget Dave. I didn't forget Saul just a few days ago on two separate occasions while I was praying Stairway to Heaven. No, I'm only kidding. While I was playing, you know, Hallelujah, and you threw the javelin at me. I didn't forget that. 
I didn't forget what you did. So he's being buttered up by Saul, and David's going, oh, I can see right through that. But you know, David's heart is not like trying to do anything. He's just like, you know what, Lord? I, I just, I submit myself to you. I submit myself to you. And Jeremiah 9 verse 8 says, Their tongue is an arrow shot out. It speaks deceit. One speaks peaceably to his neighbor with his mouth, but his heart he lies, in his heart he lies in wait. That's exactly the character of Saul. Psalm 28 verse 3 says, Do not take me away from the wicked and with the workers of iniquity who speak peace to their neighbors, but evil is in their hearts. Have you ever been around somebody who speaks peace to you, but evil is in their hearts? It happens, doesn't it? It's an unfortunate thing. It's betrayal of the worst kind. But notice in verse 19, But it happened at the time when Merab, Saul's daughter, should have been given to David, that she was given to Adriel, the Maholothite, as a wife. So Saul did a switcheroo, just like Laban did. And But notice, Michal, Saul's daughter, loved David. And they told Saul, and the thing pleased him. So David, or Saul said, I will give her to him. That he may be a snare to that she may be a snare to him. Wow, sounds like a really nice daughter. I'm going to give her to David. She's going to be a real snare to him. I wonder what that was all about. And that the hand of the Philistines may be against him. Therefore, Saul said to David a second time, "You shall be my son-in-law today." Yeah, right. Let's see what happens here. Saul had already planned this. And Saul commanded his servants, communicate with David secretly and say, Look, the king has delight in you, and all his servants love you. Now, therefore, become the king's son-in-law. And so Saul's servants spoke these words in the hearing of David. And David said, Does it seem to you a light thing to be a king's son-in-law, seeing I am poor and lightly esteemed man? David still having a really wonderful heart of humility, in spite of all the things that he knew were going on that were wrong against him, wrongfully they were happening. And the servants of Saul told him, saying, In this manner spake David. Notice Saul couldn't even speak to David. His anger and his jealousy was so great, he had to send messengers. He couldn't even talk to David face to face because he's just burning with so much anger. Then Saul said, Thus shall you say to David, The king does not desire any dowry, but one hundred foreskins of the Philistines, to take vengeance on the king's enemies. But Saul thought to take to make David fall by the hand of the Philistines. Now, a dowry is something normally, uh, it's property or money that the bride would bring into a relationship. That's what, in, in most cultures, that's what a dowry is. <coughs> Excuse me. But this was actually called a bride price. This was a money or property that was given by the groom to the bride as they entered the marriage. So David, uh, Saul is telling David, look, you don't need to pay anything to marry my daughter, even though, didn't he win that as like a consolation, or, you know, not a consolation prize, but he, got, he, he won his daughter by killing Goliath, right? So why do I have to do this? It should automatically, so you can see how shady Saul is doing, and the, certainly the demonic influence on his life is tearing at him. And so he says, you know what, you don't have to pay a bride price, but this is what you do. I want 100 foreskins of the Philistines. So he's going to have to go kill 100 men and, and, and bring back 100 foreskins, right? Supposing, hoping the odds will be against him again, that he will die. But David, I, I love what he does. He actually brings twice, twice as many. 
He brings 200 back. Can you imagine what a great gift for your father-in-law? Sorry, it's not, a, it's not a nice car. It's not a new tie. 204 skins in a bag. You know, I mean, what a, what a great gift that was. Verse 26, so when his servants told David these words, it pleased David well to become the king's son-in-law. Now the days had not expired. Therefore, David arose and he and his men went and killed 200 men of the Philistines. And David brought their foreskins and they killed them. I'm sorry, and they gave them in full count. They counted them to the king. You know, not 100, but 200. Look, there's 200 here. Thank you. And they gave them in full count to the king that he might become the king's son-in-law. And then notice, Saul gave him Michal, his daughter, as a wife. And I love this about David. You know, when somebody asked him to go one mile, what did he do? He went two miles. Saul asked for 100, he gave him 200. You know, I love that. Isn't that kind of the same concept that Jesus spoke in the Sermon on the Mount? Whoever compels you to go one mile, go with him too. Give to him who asks you, and from him who wants to borrow from you, do not turn away. And further, this I'm sure this heated the, the, the bitter hatred between David and Saul even further, because David not only gave him what he asked, but he imperiled his life again to, go to give him double what he had asked for. And I don't think David was doing it just to stick a knife in, the, in, in a you know, proverbial in, in Saul's ribs. I, I really think he was just saying, you know what? I'll do anything. I'm your servant. And see, that's what a servant does. A servant doesn't try to uh, usurp his master. David, certainly as a, a young man from obscurity, just to be even in his circle was a great honor. Every young boy in Israel would love to be that position. He was content with that. And isn't that true? Isn't there something to learn about that? God can seem to entrust something to someone when they're content with so much less. They're like, you know what? I am totally cool with this. I don't need any more. I'm very thankful, very blessed. And just like when God came to, uh, to, to Solomon, says, what do you want, Solomon? He goes, all I want is to have wisdom to, to judge this people of yours, Lord. That's all I want. And God says, Really? Well, not only will I give you that, but I'm going to make you the richest man. I'm going to make you the wisest man in all the world. No one will be like you. Because you didn't ask for it, I'm going to give it to you. Because his heart could handle it. He got into trouble later on, but that was a different story. But notice verse 28. So thus Saul saw and knew that the Lord was with David and that Michal, Saul's daughter, loved him. And it's interesting, too, we'll find that she loved him, and probably she looked at him as a hero, like all the other women in Israel were thinking, wow, you know, he's such a dreamboat. I'd love to have him as my husband. And Michal loved him for a season, but we'll find out later that she became jealous, just like her father. David's character, David's heart exposed her heart, which wasn't so good. And instead of going, you know what, I, I want to ascribe, I want to come up to that place. Instead of doing that, what did she do? She teared him down. She looked out the window, saw him dancing in Second Samuel 6, you know, as he's coming in with the Ark of the Covenant. And he's dancing. He's totally abandoned to worshiping God. He's just, he's ghosted. <laughs> he's filled with the Spirit of God. And he is loving, worshiping the Lord. And she looks out the window and goes, I can't stand this guy. 
doesn't even have his shirt on. And David wasn't even concerned about his abs. He wasn't concerned about anything. He was gone. He was just so thankful. And see, that's what, what's so cool about real worship. Real worship may look a little strange to some people. Notice verse 29, and Saul was still more afraid of David. So Saul became David's. Notice, David's enemy continually. Again, Saul was even more afraid. This is the third time in this chapter. Verse 12, verse 15, now verse 25 or 29. He's afraid of him. And for each one of Saul's schemes that David, David met them and he overcame them, and it further sent Saul into deeper depravity and sin, always brings a person down unless their sin is repented of. The Bible says the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ. And what is the, what is the progression of sin? You can look at Psalm 1, and this is a great place to look. In Psalm 1, it says, Blessed is a man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful. Do you see the progression for somebody who is in an evil spot? First, they're walking along, kind of tasting it. Ah, I'm not so sure. Oh, they're just kind of going along. They're, they're involved in it. They're trafficking. Next thing you know, they're a little more solidified in that sin, and they're standing, and it's not too long. They're like, I'm settled in this. I'm settled in this, and they sit in the seat of the scornful. That's where Saul had gotten. This hatred was very reminiscent of Cain and Abel. Cain being so jealous of his brother Abel because God had respect to his offering. Verse 30, Then the princes of the Philistines went out to war, and so it was whenever they went out that David behaved more wisely than all the servants of Saul, so that his name became highly esteemed. And I love Psalm 75. We'll end here and we'll take communion together. It says, For exaltation comes neither from the east nor from the west nor from the south, but God is the judge. He puts down one and exalts another. And that's exactly what we're seeing in the lives of Samuel, or excuse me, Saul and David. God was going to put down one, and he was going to exalt the other. And it would take 15 years. 15 years. I want you to think about, before we take communion, think about what that must have been like for David. Samuel had anointed him. Everyone saw it. His brothers, everybody saw what had happened. But it wouldn't come to pass. His coronation wouldn't come to pass until after the Philistines killed Saul. David wasn't going to lay a finger even though he had the opportunity a couple different times. That's the kind of character I like. That's why Jonathan loved him because Jonathan was a like spirit. He was one of those people. Do you want to be a person like that? A person of your word? A friend that sticks closer than a brother? Do you have a best friend maybe that you need to go make amends to because maybe you hurt them? It's never too late to go and ask for forgiveness. It's never too late to go ask for forgiveness from a family member who you've hurt, or maybe they hurt you. Go and get it right. I'm sorry, that's all the time we have for today, but please join us next time as Pastor Rob continues our study in the book of 1 Samuel. 
Calvary Chapel of Rochester is located at 2503 Browncroft Boulevard, Rochester, New York, 14625. You can reach us at our church office between 9 a.m. and 4 p.m. Monday through Friday at area code 585-586-3140. If you would like to have an audio CD of today's message mailed to you in its unedited form, simply mention today's date when contacting our church office You can also contact us via the web by logging on to www.calvaryrochester.com. There you will be able to access a number of useful things such as information concerning our beliefs, our ministries, contact information, our location, service times, and much more. You can also download or listen to the radio and sanctuary messages free of charge from the teachings link at the top of the page. To listen to Calvary Chapel of Rochester's sanctuary messages or Truth in Christ Radio on your mobile device, just subscribe to both through Google Podcast or Apple Podcast. You're also invited to join us on Sunday and Thursdays through live streaming of our services and Bible studies. Just click on the online services link on the website. We're so glad that you could join us today. And if there is any way that we can bless you with your walk with Jesus Christ, please don't hesitate to call our church office. Remember, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And for this cause, I have come into the world that I should bear witness unto the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. May God bless you in abundance today as you walk with him. And until next time, this has been Truth in Christ.